in a manifestly interesting way, this play is strange for the Natalie Portman of it all. I mean, there's just no <laughs> way around the fact. And in order that we save this, I'm just going to say this is going in the episode. This is the beginning of the episode. It's staying in because it's so funny. Oh my goodness! Someday, someday we will have the uh, the time and the technology to Uh actually video cast some of these podcasts. And I just looked down at my Zoom screen as I was about to uh-huh. start, and Jacob's there in like uh-huh. Zen pose, ready to I'm go, and we are ready meditating. to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, welcome to No Script, everybody. I'm Jackson. That's Jacob, I'm, and we're excited. I dang it! I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> We've moved to this thing that you've noticed, where one of us says both our names, but the muscle memory is so hard. Eleven to seasons unravel. of muscle memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome everybody. It's an unscripted show, and every once in a while we show it. Um, <laughs> we're going to be um, excited to talk today about a great yeah. script, a great sort of like uh, uh, referential 80s, 90s, into the 2000s aughts sort of script uh, with a really impactful story, really impactful characters. We're excited to talk today about All the Natalie Portmans by C.A. Johnson. All the Natalie Portmans is a script that I heard about several years ago and tried to get my hands on a copy. This must have been back when it was being originally produced at uh, the MCC Theater in New York. Uh, But I couldn't get my hands on a copy back then, and so it kind of floated out of my brain. But the title was so awesome. Like, A-plus titling effort. It's been several seasons since I've revealed the title snub part of myself. I've been trying to... (laughs) I've been trying to to talk less about it because I'm judgmental (laughs) of titles, I would say. But this title's so good. Like, it's up there with the mother effort with the hat for me in terms of titles. Because of its memory, like, it sticks in your memory because it's funny because it tells you a little bit about the vibe of the thing, because it's so unique. Uh, and so it, it, because of the title, honestly, I knew nothing else about it except it has a title, and somebody had told me that they were interested in reading it. So I tried to get a copy of the script, and I couldn't. So for years, I just sort of forgot about it, but it floated around in my subconscious. Like, there was that play with this really good title about Natalie Portman. Whenever I'll ever yeah. get to read it. And then as we're preparing for this season, and we look through all these different lists and we look at all these different plays that theaters are producing and we you know we try to see what's out there and we, we get refer- we get recommendations from a bunch of people and lo and behold all the Natalie Portmans is not only recommended as something that we should cover on the podcast but the script is now available I, was, yeah. I took my chance and so we are talking about a script with a title that you will not soon forget all the yeah. Natalie Portmans so good so good so good. And so, like, you know, it just, it just like rolls into the phrase, hey, you know that 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 play about, oh, it's the one with all the Natalie Portmans in it. And then it's like, yeah. oh, I've yeah. seen the title. <laughs> yes. <It's> yes. Like... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I know. This, this play is great. Excited to have the chance to talk about it and all of the ways that it kind of weaves into the story of the main characters of, of, of this script. So, yeah, excited for the conversation around it to begin. We will talk about this play in just a few short minutes, but before we do, we're going to take our regular beginning of the episode moment to ask everybody out there to consider heading over to patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast. All one word, no hyphens, no underscores, just patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast. That's where you can become a supporter of the show. The folks over on Patreon have chosen to give a monthly amount to support the running of this podcast. We keep the numbers really, really 
low. The lowest tier is $1 a month, and even that $1 a month level is super helpful to maintain this podcast, which, while it is a great joy for us, as you heard at the beginning of the episode, is not a free endeavor, and so we need your help to support it. So, folks on Patreon, thank you. You help make this show possible. It would not exist in its current form, or maybe at all, without the folks on Patreon. So, big thanks to you all. That's not you yet. Consider giving it a look. Consider just a dollar a month level. There are, of course, higher tiers from there, and you you know how the Patreon things work at this point. There's all kinds of things you can check out and see what the different benefits and blah, blah, blah are. But thank you so much. If you are a patron, consider it. If you're not, patreon.com slash podcast. And now, back to the script. Here we go. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Boy, rough one today. Rough one today. <laughs> we got it. We got it. We're locking in. We're locking in. <laughs> All the Natalie Portmans. So this is the point of the episode where we'll do just a brief context of the show and the playwrights before we dive in. All the Natalie Portmans is by a playwright named C.A. Johnson. C.A. Johnson is a new playwright to the podcast. So as is our tradition, we will have a brief discussion on her life and career. Uh, uh, C.A. Johnson is originally from Louisiana. Is now a Brooklyn-based playwright. So a New York playwright is what that ever that means to you. She got her B.A. at Smith College and did her M.F.A. at N.Y.U. and then had a series of partnerships, fellowships, residencies, that kind of things that are pretty notable and laudable places to do this sort of thing. She was the resident playwright at New Dramatists, a Page Seventy Three fellow. Uh, was uh, the Larks 2016-2017 Van Leer fellow, and then was the M.C.C. Theaters. M.C.C. Theater we'll talk more about later. Was their 1920 Tao or Toe playwright in residence, which is notable because that is the season in which all the Natalie Portmans premiered at the MCC Theater. Uh, Sia Johnson is a, it seems like she is getting a pretty robust TV writing. Uh, career started. She's written for Hulu, ABC, Netflix on a bunch of different projects. Her other plays include Thirst, which made the 2007 Kilroy's List. We've talked many a time about the Kilroy's List on this podcast. Great organization. I think they've now adapted what they're doing uh, away from like a straight up list every year. So you go to a website now and you see more of a sort of web format. I don't mean web like internet. I mean web like spider web kind of format for how they're presenting the Kilroys these days, but still really great organization. Her play The Climb was a finalist for the 2018 O'Neill National Playwrights Conference. And then her, uh, one of her other major plays, a play called Foreign Bodies, was published as what's called uh, part of what's called the Keen Collective. Um, it, that's not something we've talked a lot about on the podcast because they're not, they, they tend to be more plays for high schoolers. They call themselves a unique and free educational theater program run by the Drama Desk and the Obie Award-winning Keen Company, Keen Teens seeks to improve the quality of plays written for high school students, or I, I would maybe rephrase that a little bit to be written for high school actors, by commissioning scripts from highly regarded playwrights and gives students the opportunity to work with professional artists in an off-Broadway setting. So it seems like a really cool organization and company, not one that I knew much about until I was looking up C.A. Johnson. So uh, shout out to the Keen Company and their Keen Collective project. This play, All the Natalie Portmans, was developed in part at the 2018 Sundance Theater Lab. It had a reading that year at Page 73 Theater in New York, and then just two years later, premiered, made its premiere off-Broadway in spring 2020 at the Manhattan Class Company, the MCC Theater as it's known in New York City. Uh, of course... As it's been uh, sort of the, we're in that 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 uh, that period of plays right now where the plays that are starting to get their regional prominence were written around 2020. So I feel like for like the thousandth time this season, I'm about to right. say. So this play premiered spring 2020, which means you know what happened. But of course, we do know what happened. The all the Natalie Portman's premiere run was shut down by the COVID-19 pandemic. C. A. Johnson has written, which you can access 
access from her website a really interesting article about closing her play as part of the COVID-19 pandemic. I encourage you to check it out. It's a unique voice from a playwright who had a play that was, you know, running, was, was, was probably a big step in her career to have a play premiere off Broadway and was closed by the pandemic. Encourage you to check out that article. Um, so it premiered off Broadway, closed by due to the pandemic. Then in 2022, as we're finally coming out of the pandemic, it gets productions at Outfront Theater Company in Atlanta, um, and then a, a, a fair number of educational theater opportunities. Um, in part, I think because of the age of the characters um, and the interest of the show. Um, Holland's University Theater did it in 2022. In 2022, the Black Community and Student Theater, which is part of which is at Harvard at the Harvard Theater produced the play and then fall 2023 emory and henry college so just this past semester produced the show so that's its life right now it is part of this group of plays sort of swinging back up uh, trying to get traction again after losing traction in just the most uh, agonizing and cutthroat way in the in in closing due to the COVID 19 pandemic yeah, yeah. So many, so many plays going through that, and thankfully this one is on the rise again. Um, I'm going to give you just a brief synopsis of the play as we begin our conversation around it today. Um, I, I'm, I've been liking uh, the, the reading of character descriptions, because there's often uh, a lot baked into those character des descriptions from the playwright, so I'll kind of give us that to start with. First of all, though, this play is set in Northeast Washington, D.C., around 2009. Specifically 2009, not around. The play says 2009. Um, so it's you're kind of set into that time frame as you and start I will to say more later on 2009 that's not like a random year and it also is confusing uh, due to a couple of things that happen in the play <laughs> more on that later though um, for, for now uh <laughs> For now, um, we've, we've got that as our setting, and then we have this family as the setting. Um, the kind of main character that we hang with for a lot of this play is Kiona. She is 16, smart, lonely, a dreamer. Her brother, Samuel, who is 18, exceedingly kind, a high school dropout, a fixer. We have their mother, Oveta, who is mid-40s, a hotel worker, recovering alcoholic, trying... We have their friend, and maybe more, Chantel, um, who is 17, very pretty, very afraid, but quick. We have Epps, who's the upstairs neighbor, landlord, alcoholic, heard but not seen. And then we have Natalie Portman, white, ageless, the Academy Award-winning actress, sort of. More on that later. So um, we're jumping into the uh, story of this family. And and it's a family that's kind of in hard times. The the, the father of this family has died uh, long, long or a while back. Um, and uh, they're struggling to get by. Um, they're also struggling to uh, get uh, by with uh, some of Oveta's relapse into alcoholism. So the kind of opening scenes of the play are getting to know Samuel and uh, Kiona, um, and as well as Chantel, who's this friend of theirs who um, Samuel is uh, with at the moment. Um, they're not they're not putting labels on it in terms of boyfriend, girlfriend. At one point in the play, he does say that he loves her, but she doesn't say that she loves him back. Um, and they're 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 kind of uh, erstwhilely sleeping together um, and uh, and and being romantic, but not again, not really putting labels on it quite. Um, and then uh, uh, Kiona is the other one who who emerges. So the first scene is with Samuel and Chantel. They're kind of running out of their room at the very last moment. They Chantel's running out of the house and crosses paths with Kiona. There's a bit of awkwardness that we'll find out more about later, and they move on. Um, what we learned then from Kiona and Samuel is that there's uh, the, the big problem of the play is that the apartment's rent is due, um, and uh, they're trying to put together the money for it, and they haven't heard from their mother Oveta in days. She's gone, been gone for three days, um, and so they're trying to fix the problem of of that. Um, Samuel eventually says that he's he's got to go to work. He's got to head out. Um, we also learned though that Kiona loves film. She's kind of finishing up her high school, um, or or going about high school, I guess, at sixteen. Um, but she loves film. She loves playwriting, and she loves eighties and nineties movies. Um, a, a wide array of actors, but especially the actor Natalie Portman. Um, she has this dream wall on stage that is full of all these different actors, um, uh, kind of cutouts from magazines and stuff like that. And she's uh, kind of the storyteller of the family and 
and also the main consumer of stories. So uh, she watches movies. She's trying to become a, a playwright or, or, or a screenwriter so that she can move out to L.A. and write movies, especially for Natalie Portman. Now, uh, during uh, the kind of evening uh, of that, that that kind of first day, their mom does come home. It's the third day. She's a, a little bit tipsy at this point. She's not. She's kind of just starting her relapse, and she's confronted by um, by Kiona, who is asking her for the rent, trying to figure out what happens to the rent. She gets angry, and they have a, a kind of continuing anger. And throughout throughout the play, they have this back and forth of anger towards each other. Anytime one of them tries to move towards the other, the other one isn't in a spot to where that can happen um, for a long part of the play. They kind of miss each other. And, and we see some somewhat significant uh, both abuse by Oveda towards Kiona, but also the real regret that she has uh, around and sadness that she has around her, how her addiction is affecting their relationship and her trying really hard to find a way to negotiate that. The, this scenes, these scenes, this that sort of scene happens often, um, and those scenes are often interspersed with this emergence of the actor Natalie Portman, who uh, emerges as a character on scene. Uh, Kiona uh, has these uh, imaginings of her emerging as one of the characters from her film. Um, she comes out as a ballerina. She comes out as the Senate, intergalactic senator Padme Amidala. She comes out as a character from The Professional and from V for Vendetta and various scenes, poignant character choices of each of these scenes. She kind of emerges as this like playmate with Kiona to help her um, either uh, negotiate the pain of a scene or disassociate if she needs to from a, a previous moment that she had with her mom or all of these different modes of Natalie Portman kind of show up as a character that Kiona manifests in order for her to kind of engage her world around her. The rest of this first act, act of the play continues the problem of the rent. Samuel uh, uh, kind of is pushing to try to get more work, and and even as he is pushing to get more work, he is skimming some money off of the top, which is slowly of the register, which is slowly becomes apparent to try to help pay the rent, which gets him fired. He goes back to work, um, and uh, or he tr he says that he's going to go back to work and try to get his job back. He tells. Uh, Chantel in one of their scenes where they're tr where he's trying to kind of become closer and closer to her um, that he's he's trying to get a handle on this world around him and 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 he's gonna try to be the big brother that he wants to be and and take care of his family but uh, him going back to the bar there's some words exchanged with his boss and it ends in a fight which gets him arrested and kind of thrown into sort of a juvenile detention slash rehabilitation center not quite prison um, but he's like right on the age range where they kind of choose to uh, move towards rehabilitation, but he is sort of like held in this building um, for, for a while, which takes him... It's like him... a juvie kind of situation. Yeah. It's like a youth center. He's getting counseling, and then he's only there for a short stint, and then is on probation. Yeah, which adds the pressure cooker back onto uh, Kiona and Oveta to try to figure out some way to negotiate this rent um, issue. Um, we also have Chantel kind of emerging back into the scene more and more, and we start to learn a little bit more about her character. She offers to pay for some of the money that they are missing. She offers it to uh, to Kiona, and Kiona, uh, there's there's some resistance, and what comes out is that they actually kissed before Kiona and Samuel um, were uh, were together. Um, Kiona, from, from the beginning of the play, is, is talking to Samuel about her being uh, queer, being a lesbian, um, and, uh, and we've slowly learned that she and Chantel had uh, uh, some sort of a relationship growing up for a long time. Um, and uh, and uh, the kind of eventually emerged into a kiss that scared Chantel, and she very quickly after that started dating Samuel, and there's been this kind of ice between them as a result of that. But slowly through the play, Chantel and and uh, Kiona begin to talk more and more about their relationship and, and what, what happened in that moment back then. To briefly sum up the rest of the play, as so that we have all the building blocks to, to begin our conversation, um, Samuel uh, kind of spends his time in this juvenile detention area center, and uh, and slowly, uh, Shant or I'm sorry, Kiona and Oveta have to move out of the apartment. There's this slow move where they can't quite keep up, even though Kiona gets a job, gets a cashier job. Oveta tries to pick up more shifts, but slowly, their boss Epps, who lives upstairs, uh, an offstage character who yells onto stage, mostly drunk. Um, that, that he wants them to leave um, is uh, is um, 
is kicking them out of their place and slowly they sort of move their way out. Um, as they move out, they do end up moving closer together. Kiona and Oveta do have these moments where they slowly try to rebuild some sort of uh, familial sense between them, but it is hard won. There are, there are big fights uh, where neither of them feel heard and leaves, um, either either for Kiona to try again to uh, have this sort of uh, um, coping relationship with uh, Natalie Portman, um, and Oveta to uh, kind of, the, to the point that where Oveta has slowly been drunker and drunker in scenes, eventually she leans, or leaves leaves the scene with a fifth of whiskey, um, and kind of that's the, that's the most uh, open that her... Uh, her uh, addiction to alcohol gets in the play. The last scene, though, she makes a meal. They're packing up their house. They're moving into their car. She buys a DVD player for um, Kiona to to watch movies again because Kiona has sold the TV as part of trying to get more and more more money for them to try to pay rent. And then Chantel emerges after having had a conversation with Samuel, again, uh, Samuel, who's being held in, in juvie and Samuel saying, you need to respect my sister, essentially. <laughs> and if, if you guys have something, I'm not going to get in your way. Um, so uh, Chantel does uh, reemerge back into her life and they have another moment of connection before the last scene of the play where Kiona and Oveta are asleep in their car, having been moved out of their or having moved out of their house Um and then Natalie Portman shows up one more time as uh, as as uh, one of one of her characters, and Kiona goes out. I believe her character from The Professional, and uh, Kiona goes out, has one sort of conversation with her, and much like the scene in The Professional, she allows Natalie Portman to go off as she kind of continues her life, ostensibly saying, "This this has been great. Um, I'm no longer going to engage in this sort of." Uh, manifesting slash delusion or illusion um, relationship. Um, and I'm going to be pushing hard in real life now. Um, and thank, thank you for what this has been. You are, you are free from me or I am free from you. Um, and we're going to go our own ways. And the kind of end of it is her sort of looking out on the, they've been sitting on the hood of her car, looking out, kind of contemplating what's next for her. Yeah, that it, it's a strange one. In a, yeah. in, a, in a manifestly interesting way, this play is strange for the Natalie Portman of it all. I mean, there's just no <laughs> way around the fact. That, right, right. Like, I mean, it, it, every we, we read reviews often for this play. We watch interviews as much as we can, all that, all that kind of stuff, right? So a lot of the reviews for this play at all the different places it's been start off with some variation of this opening line, something like this. Even though the play is called all the Natalie Portman's, it's not actually about Natalie Portman, right? <laughs> and so that's the, like, that's how a lot of these reviews tend to open because the, the title of the play so strongly gives this name, which is so recognizable. And so the idea that this is about a totally other group of people is not immediately obvious if you didn't know anything else about the play. So so you hop into this play. You learn about this family. You learn about their incredible struggle. You learn about the legacy of poverty and alcoholism. You watch these fierce, tough characters battle through their situations and and come out better for it on the other side and make decisions that are both good and bad for their lives at various points. I mean, you watch all the great stuff of human drama and throughout it all, a famous movie star just wanders in her most famous costumes. I mean, it's strange. Yeah. It, it, it's I, I do think that it is also supposed to be strange. The first appearance of Natalie Portman being from Black Swan is noteworthy, right? I mean, it's it's the most yeah. ferocious and scary and and sort of mentally haunting of Natalie Portman's characters. It's that's a deliberate choice by the playwright to introduce us to this. I mean, what? It, it's basically an imaginary friend, right? Yeah, 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 definitely this sort of like 
um, uh, uh, traveling companion amalgamation of all of these sort of uh, plot devices that Kiana is trying to make sense of her life with. Um, and yeah, they're using the sort of like highest, uh, some of the high profile Natalie Portman roles to do that with. I agree, Black, Black Swan emerging right away at the top. I think the second one is is uh, the Star Wars uh, Padme Amidala character. Um, so there's these, there's this like boom, big, big sort of like uh, high recognition moment. There isn't, there isn't the chance that no one will know the reference. <laughs> <laughs> necessarily I, I don't think so and and, the, and uh, some of the interviews that I, I got to engage with Lucia Johnson was her talking about like going for that like that what that, that star power sort of like it girl um, so, someone who is so well known someone who kind of you see enough times especially as a as a, a younger person watching film and stuff like that to the point that you feel like you know something integral about them as a result of the various roles that they've played and thus they can but, speak but into also your life somebody that like might actually be your friend that that yeah. like wants to like feels like and and this is all just i mean um, the american public reading on our celebrities things that we don't necessarily right. know about them but that somebody that feels like they look into the camera i think this is something to the effect of of what ca johnson said in an interview somebody that feels like they would support you and be there for you and want you to succeed in the way yeah. that this natalie portman which is again as you said from the character description only sort of Natalie Portman, the actor. It's really uh, a figure of uh, of this character's imagination. It is a, a a way to talk and deal with the stress and and the pain. It is in some ways there is often the the claim or the argument advanced that theater, which was the only form of drama for a while, and then film now more so, is escapism. That that's like what it what it's really about, right? You go to see beautiful people in beautiful gowns and beautiful sets and beautiful places, and you escape, right? And and so in some ways, like using a film, a notable film actor as this role that helps her to get out of the mental space, if not the physical space of the uh, the the unbearable stress and mountain of of despair and what is my future going to be that is uh, Kiona's situation. Yeah, yeah, like the, there's the the imagining of the uh the the scene scene where this uh, Amidala shows up and she like hands uh Kiona a lightsaber and says not only not only is this lightsaber yours but we're going to go save Obi-Wan, right? <laughs> um and 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 in that scene Kiona kind of takes on the role of 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 Anakin and there's this like empowering moment it comes right after Samuel has basically said I'm going to handle it, don't worry. I'm going to figure out a way to get us rent and Kiona says no, I'm going to help out too. Um and so this this scene is her galvanizing herself to go and and help um and and push push towards uh trying to to uh help help out and and, and be an impact on the on the situation as it is so it's it is each of these scenes have like this like uh uh gift that natalie portman gives to kiona so that she's able to uh kind of push into the next moment or deal with the the kind of preceding one in in some sort of way with this imaginary friend of hers and, and what's truly fascinating to me about the way that this Natalie Portman is imagined and I think speaks to the, the, the kind of creative impulse behind using the character in this way is that this, this Natalie Portman, this imaginary friend, doesn't like come on and believe she is the character from the movie. She seems to believe that she is Natalie Portman or know that she's Kiana's imaginary friend or whatever. All that to say, what she's what she asks Kiana to do is to play act scenes or imaginary scenes from these famous movies and actually uses that language. Let's play. You play this character. And so the the kind of imaginary exercise that they're doing, that to me is is a more familiar device of 
play acting, at adventure uh, stories, at being someone else. I think we see that a lot through drama and through film. What's interesting about it is to invite this imaginary version of a famous actor who play acts as her career and has made it like the thing that she is famous for. Like what if, you know, what if Ewan McGregor showed up at your house tomorrow and was like, wanted you to pretend to be Anakin and you would run around with, I mean, that, that would have its own delight in the play acting. And that is the sort of situation that Keona is invited into through this, uh, this, this figment, this, this processing partner. I think the other thing that she ends up use or that that Johnson uses uh, Natalie Portman to do in this script is allow Kiona to unpack her thoughts to someone when no one else is around to to uh, do that for her. Um, the scene that really stands out to my mind is pretty late in Act Two. Um, uh, I think it's the scene where she's trying to, uh, dress up as like when, oh shoot, I'm forgetting, forgetting this, the specific movie, but as a baseball character, uh, forgive me, Natalie Portman fans. Um, but, uh, the, 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 the scene is, is, uh, she's, she like is realizing that this isn't fun anymore. There's something about, uh, about this time that, uh, Kiona is playing with Natalie Portman that, that, that isn't fun. And so she slowly has to unpack some of the real loss that she's going through. Some of the, uh, the, the, the dreams that she's beginning to wonder if they can be fulfilled, the real pain of losing her father. Um, and, and, and in, and the people around her are not available to do that. Oveta, um, has in scenes previously been a not safe person to do that with her brothers in juvenile detention. Chantel is sort of lost to her. So she's all alone. And so, uh, the, the device of this other character who can be as trusted as possible to the main character that we've been following, um, who, who can be this sort of confidant and allow um, Kiona to really uh, say what is going on in all the subtext of all the scenes is really interesting. It's a really fascinating um, uh, moment for Kiona to really uh, lay out what um, what is uh, really scaring her or really irking scaring is I guess a judgment but what is really underneath all of the 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 kind of contention and worry that she's going through as a result of the the sort of consistent pressure in her life yeah it it is there there's this moment later in the play in act two which I think draws out some of what she is getting from this relationship uh, in 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 counterbalancing it, and so in, in this scene, Natalie Portman comes in as a character from a movie called Anywhere But Here. I confess I don't know the movie, um, and it's just this comes just after a scene where Kiona has had a fairly um, aggressive, a fairly confrontational, a fairly painful interaction with her drunk mother. And and so in the next scene, Natalie Portman comes in with Kiona and they both want to play Natalie Portman's character from this movie anywhere right here, which apparently is in some way about a teenage daughter and her mother. And what has been happening, this sort of convention throughout the play is that Kiona will play the characters that comes opposite of Natalie Portman. Now that that's happened several times at the beginning of the movie and then we get into this spot in the middle where Kina doesn't really want to play for several scenes in a row and just says I don't want to do this so the convention changes there. Then the convention changes again and what Kiona says is I want to play your part and you play the other part which is a total turn on its head of what this relationship has been but you can see in that moment the the reason behind it and how this relates to Kiona's life because she in the previous scene has had to be a really firm uh, really stressed mother to her own mother rather yeah. than her mother's teenage daughter and so now Natalie Portman comes on and wants to do this famous movie with her and she can and, and she Kiona can be the mom and she Natalie Portman will will be the teenage daughter like she is in the movie. Kiona says, I don't want to be the mom. This is now getting to the point where this imaginative play exercise is just my regular life. And that's not what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And and that I, I agree that that scene is kind of the 
in inverting of the norm um that 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 we've been expecting from them and then then the 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 rest of the scenes don't have the same uh uh, shine uh this or at least the rest of the scenes between her and natalie don't have the same sort of like oh this is a relief or some sort of way to uh escape or or uh a way that i'm able to continue my dream even the 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 way that she continues her dream has to shift in light of what's going on around her and so the the, the following scenes between her and natalie are are uh are, are are a little bit more full of that sadness or that that uh, upcoming loss it's her relationship, Natalie Portman's relationship with Kiana's like dream life that is interesting to me in, in what this play might in some ways be questioning or, or looking at. Because it's not just that Kiona has a, an imaginary friend named Natalie Portman, who is the famous actor. Uh, as you said in the synopsis, Kiona is a film buff and wants to study film and wants to be a screenwriter and a filmmaker. And very early in the play, talks about her dream of going to Hollywood and making movies with like, really, and I'm going to swear here because she does in the scene, badass Hollywood actors like Natalie Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman being this kind of exemplar of the kind of person that Kiona wants to work with. And she has this dream board on the wall, which is all, mostly it seems to be pictures of actors that she wants to work with. And Natalie Portman being an example of that. And so as Kiona moves through this play, one of the things that happens is that that dream feels farther and farther away of being able to go and, and make, frankly, anything of her life starts to feel farther and farther away. And so as she starts to reject Natalie Portman, this imaginary friend, this play partner, this imaginative creative exercise, this representation of her dream for her life, whatever, she is in her tangible circumstances uh, uh, losing control of that vision for her future, right? She stopped going to school. She's failing out and she's, you know, she doesn't have enough to eat. I mean, we're talking about real daily serious struggles for this family. And so as a as an end cap of this play for her to say goodbye to Natalie Portman, the imaginary friend, the metaphor, the blah, 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 I, I wonder if what we're supposed to read into this is that she is letting go of that dream for her future. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely possibly one of the, one of the outcomes. It's sort of like a, this, this, this story is sort of a, uh, it's kind of a coming of age story, but, but sort of like the real version or <laughs> not just maybe the real version is too general even to say, but like a, a more common way that it turns out of like, Oh, this is going to be really like the, the dream dream, the dreaming part of this dream is over. And, and if, if there's a way to really pursue it in real life, there's going to be like some really hard things to try to overcome. And, and, uh, uh Kiona talks about this specifically of like, this is this is like it's it's so far away to go to California and all there's a lot of this lot of this dream that is really going to be hard to push for. And so the like the the fun part of the dream it's 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 oddly like falls away by the end of the play. You're kind of set up to be like oh maybe some something like starts to come together for for the dream by the end of the play, but there isn't really. Like it's 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 hard and it's intangible for for Kiona to kind of imagine herself a way to get there by the end of the play. And yet I think she still does, but perhaps with a little bit more of a tinge of of realisticness about it without the dream of of Natalie along with her in that last scene. I want to uh bring in a comparison play for all the Natalie Portmans which if if it sounds like a sort of wild thing and a crazy play, which I did say at the beginning of the podcast, it is, but it is not as unfamiliar as it seems, I think, in trying to describe it. There are those stories that you try to tell people about and you just are like, I don't even know how to say 
what like like one of my favorite movies ever. I have a really hard time describing to people because it fr- just frankly sounds stupid when you describe it out loud. But it's really not. It's really excellent. And all the Natalie Portman's it doesn't sound stupid. I don't think, but it is a little bit like that. It's like yeah, there's this family and she has an imaginary friend who is Natalie Portman but isn't, and they play all these characters <laughs> and blah blah blah. So it is a little hard to say. But just as a as a comparison, a side by side, and I will say up front, I, this is not. I didn't come up with this whole cloth. I I, I was already thinking it to some degree. But somebody crystallized it for me, Alexis Salaski, who who wrote the review for the New York Times of the original production. They compare this play to The Glass Menagerie. This is a famous, famous piece of American writing, one of the most famous plays in our country, one of the most heralded plays in our country, almost universally considered a masterpiece. And this play is an interesting partner to that. You have the sort of unstable, unreliable mother figure. You have a uh, uh, a lead character who you know wants things more and bigger than this crappy, dingy apartment that they live in. Um, you have a gentleman caller. Only the gentleman caller in this play would be gender reversed. Um, and then one of the more interesting uh, comparisons: you have this thing on the wall that hangs over the play. And in The Glass Menagerie, it is about the absent father. Um, And there is an absent father in this play, too. But it is the pictures of these actors on the wall that kind of hang over the play and become an object to be negotiated. And then sort of like Laura's glass, I mean, in in, in this play, Kiona is sort of Laura and Tom wrapped into one, sort of like Laura's glass menagerie is broken at the end of the play. The mother in all the Natalie Portmans sort of tears apart the dream board there at the end of the play in kind of a drunken rage. And then, of course, as they move out, uh, Kiona has to sort of tear the whole thing down and, and transport it away. So I I, th- I think that is an interesting comparison. I mean, American drama is really built on the family play in a way that, that drama from other countries isn't to the same degree. Um, so I think a lot of plays you could compare to The Glass Menagerie. But I find it a really interesting and specific uh, look. Yeah, no, that's 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 a good comparison for sure. To tie like one more guy line into it, I think the while the uh, um, the dream board on the wall of all the uh, all the actors is not a direct like it's not as direct as the menagerie is to the father. It still is very tied to the father in this play because we find out through the storytelling in this play. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kiona, Kiona engages consistently with uh, uh, telling these stories. Uh, Samuel asks her for stories over and over, and she starts these sort of like really beautiful form form stories of with with these kind of fabulic characters and things like that, um, that it becomes clear that uh, was an integral part of her and her father's relationship. Her father was also the storyteller of the family. He was the one who watched all the weird movies and got weird, air quotes, weird, um, all the all the movies that were maybe genre uh, uh, breaking for her um, and and uh, trying to find ways to tell these stories and he would share stories with her he would share stories with Samuel and now that he's dead um, she is kind of taken on this mantle as the storyteller or at least taken the stories um, that that he's given her and and the practice that he's given her in watching films and turned it into this desire to be a storyteller to be a screenwriter and that translates directly to her dream board on the wall so you have this like still integration this this echo of of her relationship with her father and that's actually the core thing that she finally admits to um, Natalie is is underneath all of this I wish wish my father was here is a big sort of admission uh deep down into her um kind of uh telling telling what's what's really going on with her in this moment is i i miss my father and i i wish there was a way that he would still be here no absolutely that's a that's a really really good point i think and and even more so at the end of the glass menagerie of course tom leaves and that is his big choice at the end of the play to abandon this apartment at the end of all the natalie portman's the family is evicted from the apartment um but pretty notably i think the decision is made to go away together and there is a reconciliation scene between the mother and kiona that you do not get in the glass menagerie and it is it, it 
think it is decidedly this play ends different than many American family plays where the dissolution of the family is the great tragedy at the end of the play. And in this play, it is not. It is a reconciliation and a, a hope to be in the future together, a hope to be better together in the future that kind of drives the play and 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 motivates what happens and and how we interpret the the ending scene with Natalie Portman. I think that's maybe why I was asking about whether we interpret the end of the play as Keona giving up her dream because that seems like a really heartbreaking thing to do. Um, and, and seems terrible that her 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 ex her her external situation and circumstances and the 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 legacy of whatever that is going on you know that it forced her away from her dream but that's not the tone I get from the end of the play um, it doesn't feel uh, tragic and heartbreaking that she's saying goodbye to Natalie Portman. It feels like she is moving on from that point in her life. If this feels in some ways more like the ending of a a, a movie about someone and their imaginary friend and that person realizing <laughs> they don't need the imaginary friend anymore than it does about uh, you know, a teenage girl who realizes that her life isn't going to be everything she wanted it to be. And, and uh, so... I'm not sure that that is the correct. Let me be clear right now that I I don't know that that's the correct reading of that scene. It just it is interesting because the Natalie Portman character is so tied up in Kiona's vision for the future. Like literally, she is an actor who she wants to write screenplays for, and and the play acting in some ways is Kiona pretending to be a filmmaker in the future. Right, play acting with actors making these stories together. So it, it is it is. I'm trying to make sense of that balance. How does the end of the play where she gives up the imaginary friend relate to giving up this dream for her future? Is it tragic and heartbreaking? It's not my read from the tone or the vibe of that moment. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the think, think the queuing up for it, any any sort of goodbye of this sort of nature, um, you're you're kind of queued up for it to be a sad thing. Um, but I agree that there is a sort of like empowerment that arrives at the end of that as well. A sort of yeah, a sort of like um uh fly be free sort of sort of mentality. And whether whether Natalie is the one that's fly be free, but certainly Kiona is to some extent. Um and and uh the the power of of her tank kind of taking control of that and making the choice is a, is a significant one and one that is tinged with hope, I think, um in, in some way. So I, I, yeah, it's it's weird. It feels juxtapositiony, and juxtaposition is great. Yeah. So so it's it's one of those things that's like that definitely le like leans into uh, uh, a great great sort of conversation for it, an end cap to a piece of what's going to happen to Kiona. What can she make now that she has made this ultimately, I think, hopeful decision. And, and yeah, and certainly I don't I don't really know what is next for this family or or what decisions they're going to make together. The the way the end of the play is written, both her and her friend, who is maybe now going to be her romantic partner Chantel, and and her brother and her mother are all making decisions to to focus on their relationships. And maybe there's something in that that the Natalie Portman figure was an escape from these hard relationships. Um, but I think you pointed out a, a really important piece, which is that the father that that has died is wrapped up in her dream too. So perhaps finding that storytelling and that dream in in her family in Chantel rather than in the Natalie Portman character is is how we're supposed to read that and what's next. And what's coming? Um, C. A. Johnson she has written a lot about this piece, and she calls it. Just I just want to read her quote because I think it's a really good encapsulation of what the piece is more than what it what it's. Uh, plot summary is she calls she says all the natalie portman's is a love letter addressed to every queer girl struggling to actualize her dreams and every poor black family fighting to love one another despite despite the onslaught and it, it's that struggle and that fight on sort of both levels that to me really really characterizes this play and why it's it's not a play about natalie portman or even about film and now that we're almost at the end yeah. of our time and no one's listening, I am going to call <laughs> out someone, not by name. I will not say the name of the reviewer or the or the 
the uh, the organization. But if you're listening, you'll know who you are. This reviewer reviewed a production, a production out there of all the Natalie Portmans and talked almost exclusively in the article about how they had gotten all of these minute film details wrong. About how, you know, the, the, no, the actor didn't really try to look or sound like Natalie Portman. About how, well, Padme never had a, a, a lightsaber fight with Anakin. And was really harshing on the playwriting that, that Kiona, as this film buff, would have wanted all these details to be correct. And I have to say, that is totally <laughs> missing the point. That is a terrible <laughs> review of this piece of theater. Bad job by you, if you're listening. Straight up. I'll tell you to your face. Send an email. No script podcast at you. I just, that's, I, I'll bring this back around to say, this is not a play about Natalie Portman's film career. It's about using imaginative playmaking to escape one's situation. And so it's okay that the details aren't right. They're not supposed to be right. She's not recreating the movies. She's play-acting inside of those characters and their relationships. The one thing I will say, though, Black Swan didn't come out till 2010. I teased this at the beginning of the episode that 2009 is a really important year. That one is a little incongruous. I, I I don't know how Kiona in 2009 knows about Black Swan. That didn't. I mean, maybe she's seen the trailers. That's yeah, that's my best justification. I think that's, is that, that she's makes running sense. from the trailers. But it also may just be a mistake. I don't know. That one. That one. A little strange. No, it's the just rest the of it though, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, there are so many uh, great facets and and pieces of this play that we could continue to chat about and and suss out. It's a great play to go see and go have conversations about afterwards because of all the ways it interweaves into Kiona's story, this whole family story, to film and all the things. Um, so uh, yeah, so yeah, we'd love to keep chatting about this play. Alas, we are at the end of our time for this particular podcast about it, but we'd love to kick the conversation out to all of you in podcast land you can find us on facebook instagram or twitter at the username at no script podcast we also have the gmail that jacob already welcomed a reviewer to go find uh, bring it <laughs> on no, no script podcast <laughs> at gmail.com you can find us on any of those sites we'd love to keep talking about all the natalie portmans with you if you like this episode or any of our other episodes, please recommend us to your family, your friends, anybody you know that likes theater, discussions about plays, drama, acting, uh, storytelling, writing, that kind of stuff. Send them our way. I think they'll like the show. We're on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, all the places where you get your podcasts. That's where we are. You can also like the show on Facebook, and a new a link to the new episode appears every Monday when we publish. Hey, this is a short tease because it's coming very soon. Themed month begins in a few short weeks. We will have an announcement very soon about our themed month for season 12. Very, very exciting. Yes, yes, get excited for that. We are stoked to share it with all of you. It's going to be a fun one. It's always a hallmark of our season. As uh, as we look forward to it, we hope that you will tune in and uh, hear the themed conversation over that month. Until then, that's Jackson. I'm Jacob. Thanks for joining us for No Script, the podcast.